Hi there, I'm Pastor Billy. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church Podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. What's the darkest it's ever been for you? Maybe it was a season, maybe a day, a moment. You might use a few words to describe that moment. Hopeless, afraid, alone. Have you been there where it just feels dark? The power of the word, the word that we just heard, and the power of the gospel that we proclaim is that throughout history, throughout our history, and throughout God's word, we serve a God who is in the business of redeeming the darkness, redeeming the brokenness, redeeming the most difficult, painful parts of our lives, and somehow, through it, making it beautiful. That word redeem is really interesting in that it really is a, a word that's it's transaction language. My son, uh, Jackson, he's eight, and in third grade, he's really excited about getting tickets at school. And he's not excited about getting tickets at school because he wants pieces of paper. He's excited about tickets because at the end of the nine weeks, he gets to trade his tickets in for a prize. He gets to redeem the tickets for something much better. And when we understand and read about Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our God who redeems, we're talking about a God who takes our pain, our brokenness, even our darkness, and buys it back, redeems it for something much greater. This morning we begin a series called Flip the Script. And our purpose over these next couple weeks together are to talk about this idea of redemption This idea of redemption is a mysterious thing. It's a a difficult, sometimes by our human standards, to really understand. But over these next three weeks, we're going to understand what it means when God shows up and he flips the script. We're going to talk about three specific stories in Scripture, but each week we're going to talk about our story and our script and the places in our journey where the power of God shows up and he redeems and he flips the script. Would you turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel 17? 1 Samuel 17, if you grew up in the church or are familiar at all with the Bible, you know this story. And maybe even if you didn't grow up in church, and if you didn't, we're so glad you showed up today. You may not know much about the Bible, but this story is maybe one that you've heard of because it's the story of David and Goliath. But today, as we talk about what it means for God to flip the script, uh, we begin today talking about what it means for him to flip the script from defeat to victory in David's story is an important one for us. We're going to read here in verse 4 in just a minute, but what you need to know is that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, if you begin reading in Genesis all the way through to 1 Samuel, you'll see that the nation of Israel is God's people that he wants to use to bless the world. He wants to use to make them a great nation, to make his name great in the world. And the nation of Israel now is at war. And if you can picture with me 
Kind of on one hillside is the nation of Israel. On the other hillside is the Philistine army. They were a pagan nation. They didn't believe in God. And they were at war with the nation of Israel. And down in the valley, there's about to be a battle that takes place. And what seems like inevitable defeat will somehow lead to victory. Would you begin reading with me in verse 4, 1 Samuel 17. It says this, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. 1 Samuel 17 provides a lot of detail about this guy, Goliath. We know that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. So we're not just talking about the varsity basketball player that you look up. You know, this guy was big. He was huge. He was a giant. In fact, we know that, that his armor, the coat of armor that he wore, was 125 pounds. That's something. The spear that he had, just the tip of it, was 15 pounds. The 1 Samuel 17, the account is detail after detail of how big this giant was and how powerful and how strong and how big he was. And don't we do the same thing when we face the giants in our lives? Don't we go over every detail in our mind of how big they are, how impossible they seem, how powerful they appear, how insurmountable the giant seems? We do the very same thing. Let's keep reading. Verse 8, Goliath stood and he shouted at the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Saul, of course, is the king. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day... This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Saul, of course, is the king. And if you read a little bit in Scripture, you realize pretty quickly that Saul is a king, but he is not always uh, obedient and following and honoring of the way of the Lord. But in this moment, what you need to know is Goliath comes out to challenge, to challenge the entire army. Give me one person who can fight and defeat me. And if you will, we'll be your servants. But if we uh, defeat you, then you will be our servants. And everyone is afraid. Even Saul, the scripture takes to make sure that we know, yeah, even the king, even the guy who's supposed to be the leader, even the guy who's not supposed to be afraid, yeah, even he, everyone is terrified. And then we see our character enter into the mix. Verse 12, now David, he was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem and Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war, so they were already out at battle. The firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abinadab, and the third, Shema. David was the youngest. And so now David enters the scene. This character, seemingly obscure, uh, he's young. And the rest of 1 Samuel 17 tells a little bit more background about him, but we're going to skip now to verse 32. David says to Saul, 
So David steps up and says, hey, no one else is going to fight the giant? What are you guys afraid of? For 40 days, Goliath has challenged him, and for 39 days, no one would go down into the valley to fight him. So David, he shows up, and he's just kind of the food delivery boy, the Grubhub delivery guy, right? Like he's just coming to bring food to his brothers. He's not important. There's, in fact, he was probably the, the most uh, you know, expendable, like, well, you're just out in the field. We'll get someone else to watch the sheep and go deliver the food. He shows up. And he eavesdrops on this kind of thing that Goliath's doing. He's like, what, what's going on here? Why won't anybody fight him? And so he has the audacity now to go to King Saul. And in verse 32, let's read. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. In other words, David, he's not even legally old enough to fight in the army. This isn't even permissible, really, by their law. And besides that, Saul says, David, look at him. Nine foot, nine inches, 125-pound armor. Look at this giant. He's been training for years. This is a skilled warrior, and you're, you're just a kid, David. Skipping down to verse 38. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic, and he tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So he took them off, and he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And if we for just a minute hit pause on the story, if we for just a minute act like we don't know what's about to happen, that we've never read this story before, that this hasn't just become one of the most famous Bible stories, but really it's transcended. Even the Bible, that when I, I, I like sports, and every time, you know, a lower seed, a nobody college team beats a ranked team, oh, David has defeated Goliath. I mean, this story has transcended time to become the ultimate example. But pretend for a minute that we don't know those things. And pause and just acknowledge what's happening in this scene. You have the entire nation of Israel, the army, cowering in fear for 39 days. On one side. On the other side, the Philistines looking with approval as their giant stands down in the valley. No one will fight him. No one will. What do you think the armies of Israel are thinking about in this moment as David with his slingshot? No, I don't need armor. That doesn't fit me. I'll take my slingshot. You know, as he's going down in the valley, what do you think they're thinking of in that moment? Right? Like, uh, this is not going to go well. No one is confident. Right? Why, why does the scripture spend so much time describing how big the giant is? Why does the scripture spend so much time reminding us that David, he wasn't old enough? He wasn't qualified. He couldn't fit into the armor. He didn't even have a sword. He wasn't trained. Why would the scripture spend so much time setting up the scene except that in this moment we have to understand that this is insurmountable odds. Defeat is certain. It's not just that David had a little chance. He had no chance 
of victory in this moment. But this is the flipping point. This is the moment in the story when everything changes. Over these next three weeks, as we read these stories of redemption, each and every week we're going to uncover the flipping point. Not the flipping point, but the flipping point. The point where the story flips, where it changes, where redemption is possible, and this is the moment. Unpause. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Verse 45, now David. So Goliath said his piece. Now David's going to say his piece. <laughs> David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. He didn't run away. Oh, he ran towards them, right? Verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. <laughs> Man, what a powerful story. I don't ever want to get used to that story. I don't ever want to just read it and say, no, David and Goliath, that's cute. Like, what a powerful moment where defeat seemed certain, but God proved victorious. And so today, I, I want to pause. I want to look a little bit about what David did. I want to I understand a little bit of how the power of God in this story through David's life was able to flip the script. But this morning, I want to acknowledge that each of us today are facing giants. Each one of us today are facing in the valley where the battle is happening. A nine-foot, nine-inch giant with 125 pounds of armor is staring you in the face. Some of you, some of you, the giant that you face today is your past and your brokenness and maybe decisions that you made or maybe things that have been done to you and that hurt and that you wake up every day sizing that giant up. You wake up every day and you know how big it is and how tall it is and how insurmountable and how impossible it is it's the giant that you stare in the face every day some of you that giant is fear or anxiety and or depression i'm not making light of any of that but today it's the giant that stares you square in the face some of you it's a decision that you have to make some of you it's it's a broken relationship others it's it's addiction it's whatever it is though today you st i don't have to tell you what it is because you know it's the nine foot nine giant staring you right in the face. And today there's not, a, there's not a magic formula. There's not a pray this prayer and then, but I believe today through the power of God that nothing is impossible with our God. That he can take, he can take what seems to be certain defeat in your life and through his power he can bring victory. And today I want to show you through the life of David how that is possible. How it's possible to flip the script. First, in David's life and in our lives, first, we have to allow the presence of God, we have to allow his power to flip the script and move beyond my perspective. 
beyond my perspective, beyond what I can see. Again, let's rehash the story. David, shepherd boy, weak, lowly, not strong, not powerful, uh, no weapons, no training, slingshot, massive nine-foot-nine giant. Everyone's afraid of him. He could probably just eat David. You know, I don't know, like, huge. By what we can see, this is impossible. By what we can see with our eyes, what we can observe in this story, hopeless. Have you been there? Are you there today as you face the giant in your life? All the data, all the ops, everything that you can see says this is hopeless. Everything that you can, your senses and, and what you're seeing and what you're hearing, what you're feeling, it makes you feel like impossible defeat is my only option. I understand that, but, but the power and the truth of Scripture is that even when, even when our senses tell us, even when our observations say that this is impossible, the truth, the power of God is that there is something else happening that we cannot see. And that's called faith. That's called faith. Some of us in the room today, we're skeptics. We like asking a lot of questions and we really struggle with things of faith. I'm so glad you came today. But the truth is, in your life, there is always faith. There's always faith involved in, there's things that you can't understand about your life right now. You don't understand gravity, but you kind of have faith that like if I throw it, it's going to, you know, like you just, you just do. There's, there's faith involved in that. There's faith in things that you do every day. You don't understand things about your body and how it operates and, and you can study and you can learn. But ultimately, even in that, there's some faith involved. All of us exercise faith every day. And when it comes to the things of God, the power of God, I can show you in great detail prophecy after prophecy and historical evidence of who Jesus was and what he came to do and that the place where he was laid is empty. He rose again. I can show you all of that, but for every single one of us today, there's an element of faith that we have to exercise. There's a point where we, I mean, we're praying to a God we can't see. We're talking about, right, right? There's a point for each and every one of us where faith is required. And ultimately, if we're going to see victory, even when defeat seems imminent, if we're going to allow the power of God to flip the script in our life, it requires faith. Faith to believe that there is something else happening. My grandfather used to say this, Adrian, when nothing is happening, something is happening. That there is something happening, and it's beyond my circumstances. It's beyond my perspective. What I see right now tells me this is hopeless, but by faith, I believe it's not. And this is beautiful. I wrote this down. This is not just the mystery of God. This is the power of God in your life. That you don't have to live just according to your circumstances. I'm not saying those don't matter. I'm not saying that we throw a reason out the window. I'm just saying that today your battle is not defined just by what you can see. The battle lines have not been drawn. And you look at the odds and say, well, I can't do that. No, 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 no. The power of God is the truth that even when... It looks impossible. There is something else happening. That's why David could stand there before Goliath. He wasn't so dumb to believe, well, look at me. I can, you know, no, 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 no. He knows, man, there is more happening here than what I can see. It's beyond my perspective. There is no such thing as risk-free faith. All of us, at some point in our journey, have to decide, will I have the faith to believe? And some of us right now, the giants in your life cannot fall because you do not have the faith to believe that something else is possible beyond what you can see. Next, 
Next, the power of God moved David to a place that was beyond, beyond my battle. Beyond my battle. Look again at 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. And look what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, and I come against you with my slingshot. That's not what he says. Because that's not what the battle is about. The battle is not really about David versus Goliath. Look, look again what it says. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. See, the story, our observation would say, well, this is nine foot nine giant against David with his cute little slingshot, but that's not the reality. The reality is that it's not David versus Goliath. It's David versus the power of God working in David's life. And you sign me up for that battle, I pick David every single time. Why? Because David acknowledged, this is not my battle. This is not about what I can do. This is not about me mustering the strength and putting on the armor and going out there and being courageous enough to take down the giant. No, no, no. It's acknowledging and recognizing that I need the power of God to show up right now if I'm going to do this. And in faith, he fights through the power and the strength of the living God, the one true God. It's not our job to armor up. It's not our job to go out there and stare down fear and addiction and brokenness and abuse and all the giants in your life. That's not your job today. It is the truth of Scripture. A reminder that through His power and through His strength, there is no giant that cannot fall if we rely. Not on, it's not my battle. It's his battle. This is what God said to Moses in Exodus 14. He said, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Moses, it's not your battle. Paul says it this way, it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. Paul's acknowledging it's not my battle. It's the power and the presence of the living God who's going down into the valley with me. And because of that, because it's not my battle, hope is possible. Victory is possible. Finally, David understood that it was beyond, it was beyond my battle, beyond my victory, beyond my victory. Look again, we just read verse 45. Look again with me at verse 46 and 47. This day, David says, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals. And look at what he says, the whole world will know. Not, not the whole world will know my name. The whole world will know. Look at David and his sling. Look at what he did. No, look at what he says. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David's mission his mission was to bring glory to God. In that moment, the reason he stood there confident is he knew no matter what happens here, as I face down my giant, the living God, the one true God, will get glory from my life. I will point everyone to him and everyone will know that there is one true God. That was the mission of David's life. Our temptation, when we face the giants in our life, our temptation is often one of two things. The first thing that we do is we elevate the giant. We talked about that at the beginning. We know how tall it is. We know how big it is. We know why it's hard. We stay up all night. It's the first thing we think about. We can't escape it. All we think about is how big it is, 
how hard it is, how insurmountable, how tough, how impossible, how the circumstances, that's what we do. We elevate the giant. We focus on that. The other thing, the other temptation, though, in the midst of our battle is we begin to elevate me, my pain, my brokenness, why this is too hard, why this can never, God can never use me, God can never, I, 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 me, 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 it becomes about me, me, me. And in this moment, what's powerful to recognize is David doesn't do either. He doesn't elevate the giant. He's not scared at all by how nine foot nine, 125 pounds, well, he's not scared of any of that. But David also doesn't choose to elevate himself. He doesn't choose to focus on why he's incapable for the job. He doesn't choose to focus on what is in this for me. What's in my benefit? What do I have to lose by? That's not it. In the moment, you know what David is passionate about doing? Elevating the living God, pointing to God, finding victory, not my victory. My victory means that, oh, what's in it for me? And what could I get from this? And what will everybody think about me? He is concerned first and foremost about God's victory, God's glory in the midst of his battle. And that's a game changer. That's a game changer for me in my life. The reason that I've been able to experience redemption, it's not easy. It's not easy to explain. In the midst, it feels hard and difficult and painful. But the reason that I can stand before you today experiencing the redemption of God is because I made a decision. In the midst of the battle, the decision was, God, I know the victory that I want right now. I know the victory that I want. I want to go out there and fight the giant, and I, I want to, but, but God, today, I choose in faith to, to move beyond my victory. Instead, Lord, what is your victory in this battle? What is the thing that you want to do? It may not be the same thing I want. It may not be the victory I was hoping for, but I actually believe in faith that you have a victory, even in the brokenness, even in the hurt, that you can take what the enemy purposed for my destruction. You can use it, Lord, for your glory, would you show up now? And when I've done that, when I've had the courage and faith to pray that prayer, that is when, even in insurmountable odds, my defeat can turn to victory. It's beyond my perspective. It's beyond my battle. It's beyond my victory. The band's going to come, and they're going to help us. We're going to prepare to close the service. And as they do, there's one thing I want you to know today. Really, as we talk about this, what are we talking about today? We're really talking about the idea of surrender. Surrender. That's what we're talking about, moving beyond my perspective and what I can see, moving beyond my power and my ability and my battle, moving beyond my victory and what I want and how I want the situation to turn out. Really, what we're talking about today is surrender. And I wrote this down this week. It's helping me. I think it will help you. This is the bottom line for us, that surrender, you know what surrender does? It transforms. It transforms my present defeat into my future victory. That's what surrender can do right now in your life. It is a present defeat. You stand before the giant, and you have no hope of victory. You are defeated. Look at the odds. Look at the circumstances. Look at all around you. You look at it and say, I'm defeated. Or you look at your past and say, look at how I've been defeated. Look at all the ways I've failed. Look at all the ways I didn't measure up. Look at all the times I tried to armor up and I, I entered into the valley, man, and I came out defeated. But today, I believe surrender is the key. It's the first step that God can use to flip the script in your life and it can transform a present defeat into future victory. I, I don't know how. I can't tell you how, but I'm confident today because I've seen it. I've seen it in the lives of broken people. I've seen it in people 
that have stood in the midst of incredible grief and incredible loss, I have seen them in faith believe even now God can have victory and time and time again, you know what I've seen? He's done it. That's God. That's the God who redeems, who redeems our brokenness, who redeems the things, the places in our life that we would feel shame today. He can come in and he can be the redeemer and flip the script, but it begins with surrender. Lord, I surrender when, I, when the circumstances around me say that I'm defeated. I surrender today my battle. I surrender today, even my victory, God. I want you to be elevated. I'm going to stop elevating the giant in front of me. I'm going to stop elevating me, 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 me. And instead, I'm going to focus on you, God, getting glory, even in the most broken places in my life, even when the nine-foot-nine giant stares me down in the face. Could you stand this morning? I want to pray for you. I want to pray today for the giants that you're facing. And I pray today you may have stumbled into the room today. You may have come in feeling hopeless and afraid and uncertain, but I pray today that you leave knowing that many years before today, thousands of years ago, why is this true? Because there was Jesus on the right hand of the Father, and you and I were facing a battle that we could not win, and it was sin. And the truth of Scripture is that while we stood there with the battle lines drawn between us in sin, us in brokenness, a war we could not win. The God of heaven sent Jesus in our place. And while we were cowering in fear at the face of the giant, somebody entered into the valley on our behalf and he took down the giant. He conquered death and he rose again. So because of that, there is no battle in your life he can't win. There is no defeat in your life too big. Why? Because he conquered the greatest giant of all, death. That is why. We have hope today. And so Jesus, we pray. We pray in your name, the resurrected living Christ. And we pray, Lord, knowing that the same power that raised you from the dead is alive in us today by your spirit. We pray, Lord, and we believe in faith today when we can't see. Oh, Lord, give us faith to believe that what feels like defeat, Lord, you can flip the script in our life and you can bring victory. And so I pray now. I pray into the giants that stand before us, Lord. And I pray on our own strength, it is too much, but nothing is impossible for my God. And so today, we choose not to elevate the giant, not to elevate us all, but we choose to worship and to elevate you, to put the spotlight on you and to believe, Lord, that you can bring victory today. May it be so here in our hearts and in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at a beaconofhope.org. That's info at a beaconofhope.org. If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 1030 a.m. in English and then at 1145 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every week, Monday nights at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes.